Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Hi, this is Paul W. Smith with the movers and the shakers and the difference makers in our great city of Detroit. Today it's Dan Carmody, president of Eastern Market, then Stephen Dime, co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams. And we'll finish up with Stacey Averill, vice president of community giving and PR at Gleaners Community Food Bank. It's all about Opportunity Detroit. Our first guest, armed with wit and an appetite for hard work, blessed by good luck and good looks, and fueled by passion for better places, Dan Carmody has led small businesses and nonprofits during a career focused on reviving what were called Rust Belt cities. He's done a tremendous job the last 14 years with the pleasure and privilege of serving as president of Eastern Market Partnership, the nonprofit that manages and promotes one of Detroit's most venerable institutions. Dan Carmody, it's always a pleasure to speak with you as president of Eastern Market. Likewise, Paul. Good day to you, sir. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for talking about all the great things that are going on. I have to tell you up front, uh, though I don't get to get there as much as I'd like, I feel like I'm there at Eastern Market every week, just like Cindy Paskey, who who puts it all, <laughs> archives it all on Instagram. I think virtually every weekend she's in the area, she's at Eastern Market. Yeah, Cindy's uh, Saturdays are interesting. It's like Lithuania uh, or Eastern Market. You know, right. It's when she's trapped. Wherever she's traveling in the world for business uh, or Eastern Market, if she's home on Saturdays, so. it's true. It's true. She's, you, you, you have. She's been a one. She's been a wonderful asset to the market, by the way, uh, serving on our board for the last few years, and uh, she just was elected uh, chair of the board uh, last month. So. Well, good for Cindy Paskey. She's been uh, great for Detroit. Period. Great for Michigan. Period. And and yes. as you say, with her business, great for the world, all over the world. Uh, and and you've been great for Eastern Market. You've you've done a lot of uh, you've done a lot of partnerships that I think have helped a lot with Eastern Market. Talk to me about some of those. Yeah, well, we you know we work. Um, a lot of people know us, you know, obviously for the Saturday Market, but we're engaged in a lot of work around two topics that are around food that aren't necessarily just related to the market. One is improving people's access to healthy and nutritious food. And I think the the recent pandemic highlighted uh, those people that had a healthier diet, uh, had healthier immune systems, and they stood up better to the onslaught from the pandemic. And so in that work, we have innumerable partnerships. We're we're proud to be part of something called Detroit Community Markets, which we uh, are one of a number, I think, 15 different organizations that come together to figure out how to promote and best manage a, a series of neighborhood farmers markets throughout the city we try to find that organization marketing dollars for support and professional development for who manages those markets and so that's a very rewarding partnership in the world of uh, healthcare, we're, we're working with a number of partners area hospitals and, and uh, clinics to promote the concept of what we call fresh prescription which is doctors writing prescriptions for patients that have ailments like type 2 diabetes that can be treated with a better diet and actually working in the long term there to see if that food can't be, uh, you know, reimbursable expense from your Medicaid, Medicare uh, coverage. 
So that, th those partnerships are instrumental in trying to change the conversation around the dinner table and sometimes the content of that dinner table to focus on food and health. On the other hand, we work with a lot of partners trying to grow Eastern Market to do two things. One is incubate and accelerate the number of new food companies coming from the bottom up, as well as retaining and attracting larger, more established food companies that are already in the Eastern Market District. So in the last few years, we've been able to keep a major expansion by Wolverine Foods. That was uh, 140,000 square feet, uh, 150 jobs. You know, the market is, a, is an important job center for Detroit altogether. About 6,400 people work in the market district. About 2,000 of them are in food processing and distribution. Many of those companies are landlocked, and we, we had to provide space for them to stay. And so about five years ago, we started working with the city of Detroit and all its many organs to try to figure out how to take a strategy we came up with and, and drill down and make a framework that's actually implementable. So partners there include Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, the City Planning and Development Department, uh, the Fiscal uh, Agency of the City Council, the City Planning Commission. All of those organizations we're working with to try to do the things that are necessary to sustain Eastern Market as a place that's still about food. And also uh, in the core area where some of the older buildings that have been in food use for hundreds, tens if not hundreds of years, um, those buildings are attractive to convert to other uses. And while we still we want that, that to happen, we still want to keep affordable space for small food businesses and affordable space for those longtime businesses that have been with us that may not be able to sustain an uptick in rent. So we work with a lot of agencies to try to maintain the authenticity of Eastern Market. Uh, so that's just a little sketch of some of the partnerships we have going. Well, it's, uh, you've responded well to the challenges uh, brought about by the pandemic. Uh, you're, you're more than just still standing. You're still uh, fulfilling your role of bringing people together to celebrate good food and each other. With the uh, Saturday market being open weekly, 6 a.m. to 4 p.m., and that's year-round, Explain the uh, Saturday market food boxes. Well, you know, we never closed during the pandemic, and the pandemic certainly created, you know, some problems for us. Uh, a year ago, and normally we go from our sort of slow winter season and explode into our busy season, the year the flower season, the spring season, uh, the market vanished. And while we never closed, uh, the number of shoppers, indeed the number of vendors who came to the market, instead of increasing in April, um, dropped the bottom dropped out. And so, you know, instead of going from 3,000 to 30,000 customers, we went from 3,000 to 800 customers on one particular Saturday. <clears throat> and people just didn't feel safe coming out. So our, our, our staff, sensing an urgent need both to keep income coming to our growers as well as supplying our customers better than the traditional format, uh, we improvised a curbside pickup to reduce human contact so people could go online order from their favorite vendors, and then pick it up without having to get out of their car. And that, you know, that peaked in uh, May or June. I think we were up to about 500 boxes a week. Mm. And uh, we kept doing it. Um, uh, and so, you know, we, it's a different, basically it's a different channel for our vendors to sell through. We still do about 100, 150 boxes a week. And so Still, a lot of people don't feel comfortable coming out. So we'll evaluate it, see if it's a permanent fixture or something that does fade as, as hopefully the pandemic fades. On the topic of food boxes, the thing that really uh, showed, I think, our 
ability to pivot and meet needs across the spectrum was we were fortunate um, to earn or win two different federal contracts to supply 2,000 food boxes a week that were distributed to needy families in Detroit, people that were struggling during the pandemic. And uh, that that USDA funding of those food boxes helped to replace a big hole in our budget. You know, we rely on vendor fees and we do a lot of special events where we charge people to use the market during non-market hours. And, uh, you know, our number of vendors, even in the best of times last year, is half of what it normally is because we couldn't pack people closely together. And a number of special events we hosted went from many to nil. So we were looking at some major uh, income reductions, but we earned revenue from providing these food boxes and, and that helped replace some of those lost dollars. But most importantly, we put over $700,000 into the bank accounts of farmers from throughout Southeast Michigan. And it really helped a lot of those growers uh, get through the year in good shape. Well, I can only imagine. Dan Carmody here, President, Eastern Market. You mentioned flowers. Spring has sprung, as they say. Uh, flower season uh, uh, at, uh, here and fast approaching in other uh, ways. What's up with Flower Day 2021? Yeah, um, you know, it's still probably not the best idea to gather 200,000 of your closest friends in the course of two days and to buy flowers. So Flower Day, uh, as we have traditionally known, it was will be postponed until 2022. <clears throat> but this year, we're, we're making flowers more accessible um, by jump-starting our Tuesday market. So our throughout the month of May, we'll have a number of flower vendors at our Tuesday market, which will run every Tuesday in May from uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and whether it's Tuesday or Saturday, you'll still be able to come to Eastern Market to get your flowers. And, you know, Flower Day was always the highlight, but it's flower season at Eastern Market. You can always get a great selection of flowers, particularly during May and June, but throughout the growing season all the way into October. Before I let you go, I want to know there at Eastern Market what a food and health fellow is and how one applies for that position. That's a great question. It's that time of year. <clears throat> so the front line of our food access work began out of the back of my Subaru in 2009, where we set up remote farm stands uh, throughout the city of Detroit. And in a normal year, we'll be at 25 or 30 locations trying to make it easier for people to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. And <clears throat> to staff those facilities, we make available seasonal positions for high school, college, and, and slightly older, uh, and slightly, well, slightly, we'll go from, excuse me, 16 up to about 22. Uh, and there's about 25 of those uh, paid internship positions available. And it's a great opportunity for kids to uh, earn some revenue, but also to learn about food and to uh, try to uh, hone their marketing skills as they interact with customers and trying to convince people uh, of uh, the importance of a healthy diet. So if anyone has any passion for, you know, uh, dietetics, uh, public health, uh, improving a lot of your fellow man, we welcome you to apply. And, and please go to our website, uh, www.easternmarket.org, and you'll find uh, a portal that you can make your application. EasternMarket.org, EasternMarket.org, uh, 25 paid internships, age about 16 to 22, to be a food and health fellow. 
And the whole idea that Dan Carmody has always uh, uh, put front and center is to nourish a healthier, wealthier, happier Detroit. In fact, that's been being done in the Eastern Market since 1891. Anything else we need to know, Dan? No, uh, just that uh, I hope that you uh, and the family have a great uh, year uh, and uh, that uh, somehow we can uh, kind of put uh, coronavirus in the rearview mirror and, and get on with it. But I think it's still we've got some, a few more months to go here. I think you're right, but I know we will. And yep. people are still coming to uh, Eastern Market, especially Saturdays, 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's year-round. You might run into our old pal, Cindy Paskey, if she's not out of the country on work. But you also might run into Dan Carmody, the president of Eastern Market. Keep up the good work, Dan. Thank you, Paul. That's always a pleasure speaking with you as we continue on Opportunity Detroit. Next up on Opportunity Detroit, Stephen Dime, the co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams, Let me tell you a little something about this socially conscious flower company. In fact, named one of Business Insider's 20 most inspiring companies in all of America because every bouquet his company sells benefits an amazing local charity. That could be in Chicago, could be Milwaukee, and now Detroit. To date, they've donated over $750,000 from the sale of flowers. Stephen, it's great to catch up with you and to welcome you to Opportunity Detroit. Good to be back with you, Paul, and thanks for the the kind introduction. Well, I'm not even done. I mean, there's so much more I could say. You were on the State of Illinois Task Force on Social Innovation, Entrepreneurship and Enterprise, an instructor on human-centered entrepreneurship at Northwestern University, as well as You've penned op-eds on ethical business in Cranes, Chicago Sun-Times, and others. And uh, it's just the list goes on and on. And I, I, with all due respect, you don't expect it to come from a flower shop and a guy running a flower shop. But that's what we found with you, Stephen. Well, <laughs> I should let you keep talking. You're doing a, a better job of describing our business than I could and our accomplishments. But, yeah, that... You know, you mentioned that uh, in the initial intro, our proudest accomplishment is the ability to have given so much to charity through the sale of flowers. It's an unlikely source, no question, but uh, we're lucky to be one of the first 25, 30 B corporations in the entire Great Lakes region. Uh, at the time, there was only a few hundred B Corps in the U.S., and it's a badge of ethical business and I think a new way of doing business that most companies are looking at. I, if what I recall from our earlier conversation, Stephen Dime, co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams, is that this dream, this and this concept, Flowers for Dreams, actually started as a as a college project, if I'm not mistaken. Fill in the gaps here. That's right. That's right. I was 19 years old. I had just finished my first year at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and uh, like many college students, I needed to pay for school. I uh, was working in a cafeteria. I was a house party DJ. I looked for any way to make money. And uh, I came upon a friend of mine who was from the floral industry, a long lineage of florists and floral wholesalers. And when he was a kid uh, working at his dad's shop, he would take the excess floral, the the stuff that couldn't sell, and he would sell them 
uh, as bouquets outside of college graduations, his own high school graduation, proms, commencements, and um, he would take his dad for $0 and sell it for 30 or $40. And I wasn't a business major or very interested in business, uh, to be honest, but I knew that buying something for $0 and selling it for 30 or $40 was a pretty good way to make money, a pretty good business model. And so that's actually how it really started. I started as a flower peddler doing the same thing he did, uh, taking kind of the spoilage from florists, bundling up in bouquets and selling them outside graduations and commencements all around the Chicago area. And uh, slowly that morphed into Flowers for Dreams, where every bouquet we would sell at a school event would donate a backpack with school supplies to another school and a student in need. And it became this very interesting full circle program where every bouquet would benefit uh, and, and buy a backpack uh, for a kid in need. And um, that really seeded Flowers for Dreams. You know, I'll tell you, Stephen, it, it is a trend that we noted here some time ago on Opportunity Detroit. I'll say it again. The, the old way of entrepreneurship and then philanthropy was that you'd work for 30 or 40 years or 50 years building up a fabulous company that then had lots of money and you shared the wealth uh, through donations and bequeathing and, and whatever you did with your philanthropic spirit 30, 40, 50 years after you started your business. The new way is the entrepreneurs with an immediate social agenda. So here you are in college trying to upgrade your diet from frozen pizza to at least <laughs> at least up to takeout. And then right from the beginning, as you just put it, the other half of the profits was to buy backpacks for the low-income students that you tutored during the summer. Make a little money and make a big difference. And that started a long time ago. That, that's the, I, I appreciate you saying that. And that's the exact model. You're right. Uh, we're seeing, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring now. It's just such an honor of younger entrepreneurs who really their first question is, how can I integrate purpose or giving fundamentally in the business? And, and not all of them do it from an altruistic place. And, and that's fine. I don't actually need everyone to be, um, you know, as interested in advancing causes of justice and charity that we are. But if they can make a net benefit through their business model by giving or by keeping, um, you know, being conscious of the environment or good corporate governance or treating their employees with a living wage and the like, um, then it's good for society. And so we've been rewarded for it. And our model is a little even more unique because we need to make profit to be able to give. So the business has to perform as a for-profit before it can kind of achieve its nonprofit objectives. And, you know, so we, we don't tie it to sales. We give one quarter of our net profits, which is a huge chunk of money, but again, it relies on profit. So we can, I, I want to kind of share with, with younger entrepreneurs or any, any age entrepreneur that you don't have to sacrifice your values or the things you care about, I guess, extracurricularly in your everyday professional career. They can go hand in hand. In fact, they can amplify what you're doing professionally. And, and by the way, Stephen, the flowers don't, don't suffer with all this extra work going on and all your philanthropy and making a little money, making a big difference and all of that. You still create fabulous uh, floral arrangements. You, you really built a, a craft flower movement with organic bouquets and fair and honest prices. And uh, this is, this is all very good. Like I say, the, with all this extra work going on, the flowers are never forgotten. 
Well, you, you know better than anyone, Paul. You've been doing it for a long time. The business has to work first, right? That we are, We're a flower company first. And, you know, our mission is to use beautiful local bouquets to advance the causes we care about and the communities we serve. But at the end of the day, we have to have a good product. And, you know, thankfully, we've gotten accolades to, uh, you know, again and again from our customers as one of the top florists on Yelp or Google or recently in the Chicago Reader, a, a large uh, formerly nonprofit publication in Chicago just this week. So our product speaks for itself, and uh, the mission is enormously important, but again, the product has to be able to stand alone. Well, I'll tell you what, to still be able to get a, a meaningful uh, uh, locally crafted flowers uh, arrangement for like uh, like 35 bucks with free hand delivery in your markets, and you've expanded to three markets now. We've got you in uh, in Detroit, uh, also Chicago and Milwaukee and the surrounding suburbs. And every single bouquet, every one of them, benefits an amazing local charity. And, uh, and I think that's just incredible. And uh, I'm glad that Detroit is your third market in the Midwest. I'm glad that you are coming here bearing flowers you know we've been through a lot over the past several years uh you're spreading joy you're spreading joy with bouquets you're investing in the community through charity and i'm telling you um whether whether we come down to the uh, to the store next to the shinola hotel there in parker's alley uh and your growth pattern uh i'm sure dan carmody is going to be thrilled to welcome you to eastern market uh, but I'm going to go online to flowersfordreams.com when I'm done with the show, flowersfordreams.com, and I'm going to send the love of my life, my wife Kim, some flowers from you. I, you have inspired me to simply order flowers that are going to make more than just my lovely wife Kim happy, but somebody else as well. As you make a little money, make a big difference, and spread your wealth. I just think it's a, it's just a, I can't say enough about what you're doing, Stephen Dime, and I, I just uh, think it's, it's just wonderful. And you've, you've pivoted during the pandemic. You're still doing your business, and you still appreciate what it means to be a small business owner now in Detroit. You know, a lot has changed since we talked a year ago. Um, you know, I hope to be back again with you soon, and. I'm sure more will change in, in yet another year. It feels like 10 years of, of change in, you know, 10, 12 months. But uh, I appreciate that. And you and Kim and all of Detroit is welcome to visit. We're excited to join Eastern Market and uh, be downtown. I should add, we because of the pandemic, we've pivoted a bit, just like any business. And we now offer overnight shipping to all of Michigan. So you can get one of our bouquets shipped overnight, as well as hand-delivered in the Detroit metro area. Uh, so we're excited to keep finding opportunities to grow. Uh, Stephen Dime is co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams. Do you have anything new going on that you'd like our listeners to know here on Opportunity Detroit? Yeah, I think most notably as uh, as downtown Detroit uh, surges back, we are excited to have now two locations in the city. We have our downtown store you mentioned behind Shinola Hotel, and this June and or July we're going to be opening up an Eastern Market on Gratiot, and so we're excited. Uh, to be there, invest in downtown Detroit. And, you know, that's our model. It's a a local team, local flowers, and we give back to local charities. So come out and support 
this whole summer. We'll have uh, fun reasons to enjoy flowers in person. I, I can't imagine ever feeling better um, ordering flowers for someone than when you order them from Flowers for Dreams and know that more than just the recipient of your flowers is going to benefit. Do you have some favorite flowers, Stephen? You know, one of the favorites, uh, I tend to like flowers that sell well, too. Uh, and we have peonies coming due. <laughs> we have peonies, which are maybe the most popular flower of the last few seasons. Uh, they bloom in May and sometimes into June. Uh, then, then it heads into lilac season. So that period of the year, May and June, with peonies and lilac, all of which comes locally and regionally to us, is, uh, is, is kind of my favorite season. And those are, those are among my two favorite blooms right now. There's not a better air freshener than lilacs, and I use the term loosely, air freshener, but I mean the aroma of lilacs takes me back to growing up in Monroe and the lilacs bushes we had in the backyard that were so fragrant. And now to know you can capture them in in the same way by going online to flowersfordreams.com, that is uh, really spectacular. Both those, the peonies and the lilacs, are they going to stand up well to to shipping and, and last a while? Peonies more so. Peonies are very hardy, and, yeah, they stand up well, and they last a long time. Lilac is more of a fleeting moment. Uh, once it's cut, uh, it will only last a handful of days on your, on your kitchen table. Five to seven days is typically what we say. But uh, as you said, it's very fragrant and beautiful. I'm a, I'm a big lilac fan. Yeah, that's, that's a great aroma. Anything else we need to know, Stephen, before we let you go? We're looking for charity applications, so whomever has a great nonprofit, particularly in the Detroit metro community, we are giving grants for our spring and summer cycles. Uh, we give grants of anywhere from one to $5,000 right now in, in southeast Michigan. So come on and apply at flowersfordreamsfoundation.org or learn more about the company at flowersfordreams.com. All right, I'm just making quick notes. All right, uh, flowersfordreamsfoundation.org. <laughs> or to uh, order, do business, flowersfordreams.com. Stephen Dime, the co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams. I hope it's not another year before we talk to you again. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Stephen. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit. With nearly a decade as part of the Gleaners Community Food Bank family, Stacey Abril is Vice President of Community Giving and PR, overseeing the activities that help the community fuel Gleaners' work and programs to fulfill the mission of feeding hungry people, nourishing our communities toward food security. I just learned in the last several years how broad a problem food insecurity is. And Stacey Averill, Vice President of Community Giving and PR for Gleaners Community Food Bank, it was uh, members of your your organization, your food bank, that helped me understand all of that. Nice to have you on board at Opportunity Detroit. Well, thanks so much. I'm I'm happy to be here and, and happy to have the conversation, and really glad to hear that that um, that you know you are are one of many who continue to learn more about food insecurity and really how it's. Um, impacting our community here in Southeast Michigan. So it is great to hear. It is impacting our community in areas we might not guess. Could be just down the block from where we live. Um, it's uh, it's astonishing when we learn more about food insecurity, which is part of what we're going to do today. And food banks like Gleaners 
are absolutely essential service providers as you continue to serve uh, and with your partners, those in need during what has been an unprecedented time. And, and I know that you've remained dedicated to serving as a reliable food resource. Talk to me about the, the five-county service area that you continue to help. Yes, yeah, so we, um, Gleaners is a, is a food bank in southeast Michigan. We serve Wayne, Oakland, Livingston, Monroe, and Macomb. And, and we are seeing, um, you know, you had said it's an unprecedented year. Well, we're, we are seeing unprecedented numbers of, of people who are in need. And, you know, I mean, Feeding America, we're, we, uh, Gleaners is a part of Feeding America. Feeding America is like the National Association of Food Banks. And, and they projected that for Southeast Michigan alone, 250,000 additional people um, were, were going to, you know, find themselves in a food insecure situation this year because of COVID, which, which, you know, adding that to the number of people who are in our community who were already struggling before the pandemic, um, you know, that's, that's over 800,000 people in this area that, that are struggling right now. And we are here to, to help and, and get nutritious food in their hands. You know, I say I learned at the hands of, uh, of gleaners, it's uh, Dr. Phil Knight on our, on our, mm-hmm. our show with Jerry, uh, yep. who, who does such a fine job there from gleaners to, to learn about uh, everything that's been going on long before these COVID-19 infections, which are still a problem, obviously a concern uh, for all of Michigan, our seniors and and young mothers and all the at-risk populations, all of us, mm-hmm. again, I'll say, as Gleaners continues to expand and adapt its programs to efficiently reach out uh, to the community's most vulnerable. And when it comes to COVID-19, that's pretty much all of us. But we have found, as you already mentioned, you know, taking care of families with children and others in need of support. In this COVID-19 world, we have people who are dependent on gleaners to get their their food when they used to be contributors to gleaners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a number of people who come through our lines and um, say this is the first time they've ever needed support. And um, and we're grateful that they found us and that they're in the line and that they're able to get the support. But you're absolutely right. There's a number of people who are struggling right now who've never been in this situation before and were past contributors and supporters, um, you know, with donations and time. So, you know, the pandemic is hitting us all. It's absolutely hitting us all. You you set up all the it's it's right down the street. It's your neighbor. It's your it's your, it's your family. Um, you know and there's a number of people who, um, you know, are just learning how to even understand how the system works and where to get help. So we're grateful to you and um, and to others who help us spread the word that we are here. We're in the community. We've got a number of distributions happening at any given time um, to, you know, to provide those nutritious meals that we know people need. Well, I, I know with uh, uh, Tom Chalani and the Hunger Free in the D, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and and others that I'll I'll come back to in a moment. But I do want to remember to say this before I forget that that people, displaced workers, families with children, others in need of support, can find food support by calling two one one. Um, and I think does that two one one does that have to be on a landline or can that work uh, with a nope. cell as well? It'll work with a cell. Yep, yep. And that's the United Ways um, um, hotline, so they're able to 
to, um, you know, talk to anybody who calls and, and get them support, whether it's food support or other support. So it's a great, that's a great number for somebody to have and to call if they need some help. I don't know why it says here on a landline, but that might just be old copy or something. But mm-hmm. if you call 211 on any line um, or visit uh, www.gcfb.org, that's gcfb.org, you can find an emergency mobile distribution center near you. And it's it's something that you need to do. And it's why I'm asking, uh, and, and frankly, uh, though we come to you, uh, for Hunger Free in the D with, as I mentioned, uh, Tom Chalani and uh, Dario Bergamo. Um, I'm asking for donations even now because if you make a gift today, you'll help gleaners keep meals on the table for our Southeast Michigan families and individuals struggling with hunger. And you can follow up with uh, that with more information at gcfb.org. Uh, tell me more about some of the partnerships that are so important to Gleaners' ability to do what you do so well, Stacy. Yeah, so partnerships this year have um, have been stronger than ever and more important than ever. Um, we seek partnerships and work with partners. I mean, all, we can't do this alone. And the partners we've been able to connect with this year in schools and government um, and local cities um, and and healthcare institutions and businesses. I mean, there's a number of. Uh, I mean, I could spend. I could go on and on, but there's a number of people who have really stepped up and are walking alongside us to help make this happen, um, to help get these distributions um, out there. Uh, when the pandemic first hit last March, we were able to leverage our partnerships and add 66 new mobile distribution sites within weeks. And that wow. that's not possible without great partnerships. Um, and so, you know, those partnerships come in all shapes and sizes. But but truly, this year we have we have seen some amazing partners, whether it's donors and funding support to help us continue these distributions over the months, um, or it's community partners who are helping us um, identify uh, families and um, and seniors and others in need who. Um, you know, they'll, they're helping us meet them. Um, and so, you know, there's the partnerships that we've seen this year. I, it's just amazing the number of people who have stepped up and, and are now walking with us to help ensure that as many people in our community um, as possible are, are getting these meals. And, and, and what, put, put a number on how many people you're serving now uh, to get this food. So the need, so we're serving, um, let's see, the the easiest way to probably talk about it is before the pandemic, we were were distributing between three and a half and four million pounds of food a month. We're now distributing over six million pounds of food a month. Oh, my. Um, So, and the need in the community, I mean, there's over 800,000 people in our service area who are are struggling with food, um, food security. And... So we are, you know, so these distributions and um, and our, our box distributions and the mobile distributions are all there to um, ensure that we are getting, you know, as much nutritious food out into the community as possible so that these families and households don't have to struggle to, to put meals on the table. Tell me, tell me that number again now uh, in the midst of this pandemic. How that, did you say six 
million pounds, almost double the amount of food you were doing per month before the pandemic? Correct. Yes. Wow. Yep. We had a record in December. We we had a record a distribution of 7.7 million pounds in, in one month. That's just, it's, so need, it's sobering. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. The need is right. so great right in our own backyard. And it's going to continue because, you know, as people, people are going to get back on their feet. And, and the, as the economy starts to get better, it's wonderful. And, and there are going to be households that, that aren't going to need our support anymore because they are able to, to make, start making ends meet. But, you know, the bills have piled up and, and you know, it's going to take some time for our community to, to get back on their feet. And, and we want to make sure that we can continue to provide that food support for as long as we need to to help our community um, you know, get get back to normal. And um, so, you know, those partnerships and um, donations are going to help us continue to provide the support that our community needs as we're as we're all trying to get past this pandemic. Stacy, before we let you go, what else do you want us to know or take away from this conversation on Opportunity Detroit? I would say, um, you know, first, thank you. Thank you and thank you to, to everybody who's listening, who's supported Gleaners and continues to support Gleaners. Like I said, we can't do this alone. And this this um, cause is, is so important right now for our community. And nobody should, you know, nobody should have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. So, so thank you for the continued support and, and um, continuing to learn about food insecurity in the area and um, supporting Gleaners in this mission. I also want to say that, you know, if you need food support, uh, you know, call that number 211 and come find us. We are here to help um, to help make sure that, you know, your pantries are are stocked and your fridge is full and and that you're able to provide food for you and your family. So um, GCFB.org for that information. Yeah, that's an easy one to remember when you remember we're talking about Gleaners Community Food Bank, GCFB dot org uh, for more information ways you can get food ways you can help people who need food and stacy averill you've been doing it a long time and we thank you for your work thank you so much stacy averill vice president of community giving and public relations gleaners community food bank that's all the time we have opportunity detroit dedicated to showcasing detroit's gems and improving the region through thoughtful conversations with those committed to seeing Detroit's revitalization. And we thank our guests today, Stacey Averill, that we just spoke with, Stephen Dime, co-founder and CEO of Flowers for Dreams, and Dan Carmody, president, Eastern Market. Thank you for following us around and listening in, and I hope you'll wake up with me Monday through Friday from 5.30 till 9. Regards, Paul W. Smith.